Welcome to the Global Payroll Association's podcast in partnership with ADP, Women in Payroll. My name is Melanie Pitsy and I'm the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. I'm so excited to run this series of podcasts to give me the opportunity to introduce to you some of the inspirational female leaders that I've met over the last 20 years within the payroll community. My co-host today is Graham Wiley, who is the Vice President Marketing International of ADP. During our podcast, we will be discussing the highs and lows of individuals' careers and find out how they have got to where they are today. So, as they say, let's get on with the show. Hi, Graham. Hi, Mel. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. We're still in lockdown. Um, it's uh, been going on for quite a while now. I think one day we're going to listen back to this podcast series and realize that uh, you know that we, we did a number of these in the lockdown period. But I'm looking forward to to today. It's a really interesting conversation and a, and a wide range of experience with our guests today. Yes, we have um, Alex Little. So um, hi, Alex. Thank you uh, for joining us today. Hi, Mel. Hi, Graham. Hi. So, um, Alex, I was, I was actually looking at your LinkedIn profile because I, I feel like I've known you for quite a long time, maybe 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, when you first started off in the payroll industry, you, you started off in uh, UK. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, so I started off in a small accountancy firm um, as a trainee accountant um, and started doing the client payroll. And at the time, back in the 90s, you know, you did this with a calculator and tax tables and handwrote pay slips and things like that. I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I tried to look for a, a more meaty role, you know, my next step. And I, I got a job in a, a local bank and I was there for a long period of time and grew quite quickly into that role. And I was really supported there. I absolutely loved it. Um so yeah, so that was my first big UK payroll job in the bank in the northeast. And did you did you fall into payroll or was it a choice to did you see the job advertised? How how did that happen? It was supposed to be an IT training placement, but when I got there, there were no computers. <laughs> like I say, it was in the nineties. So um it, it was I fell into it, but I'm really glad I did. And then the IT piece came later on. So when I started in the bank, I think I was the only person there with a computer, dare I say, okay. um, which is hard to imagine, you know, now we didn't even have email in those days. So um, I'm really pleased. Yeah, I'm really pleased that I made that move. And then, so what happens after the bank? You moved into another another role, a larger role, I'm assuming. Yeah, so in the bank, um, so the role kind of progressed and grew and I became the payroll manager over time. Um, so there were quite a few transitions in that role. I was there for 16 years. Uh, one of the, the biggest things that happened while I was at the bank was we um, implemented an integrated HR and payroll system and they asked me to, to project manage that, which I did for a couple of years. So that kind of took me out of the payroll role for quite a long time. And when I came back, um, the implementation was a huge success, which was fantastic. I kind of moved into the HR shared service side of things. So for a period of time, I looked after um, HR queries, contracts, and also the payroll team. Um, but in 2007, when uh, the financial crisis hit, there was there was a lot of restructuring and things like that. So um, 
after a couple of years of restructuring at the bank, I left and took a, a systems implementation role for the software provider that we had implemented earlier on. So I did that for about 11 months, I think, if I'm being honest. The, the travel took its toll, but I did absolutely love going out and seeing how other organisations operated, and I love the system side of it as well. So it was it was great because I've been in the same role for 16 years, and then all of a sudden I was experiencing all of these other organisations on a weekly basis. So that was a huge learning curve for me. But like I say, the travel was was just taking its toll a little bit. And then I decided to come back and get a, a payroll role back up in the northeast, which I think you recruited me for, actually, Mel. <laughs> I I did, I did. What I didn't realise was that you um you in this uh, role that you've been in for a, a while now, um you uh, looked after the UK payroll, but also one of the hardest ones, I think, the French payroll. Um, so how how did that come about? So I think that's just been one of those things. So the role just grew over time. Um, so I started off as a UK payroll and benefits manager. And then um, as we kind of got better with processes and made some efficiencies and things, I was asked if I wanted to lead the French team too. I take absolutely no responsibility whatsoever for the processing of that payroll that's done by the team in France. But they do report into me um, as part of, of my team. So that just, it just happened over time as part of a restructure. Um, and I absolutely love it. I, I love the diversity. I love uh, the cultural aspect of working with different countries. It's 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 just such a, a great place to be. Um, but I'm in a bit of a strange place at the moment because I'm actually transitioning into a new role for an HR service delivery model that hasn't gone live yet. So I've been working on this project this global project at Avery Denison for a couple of years now and in that structure I will become responsible for UK, Ireland, Scandinavia and Israel. So that's going to be my new remit but also for the HR services piece too. So I'm still kind of one foot in one role and one foot in the new role and we go live with a new structure on the 13th of July I think. That's a really interesting um Sort of background and pathway through through payroll because payroll uh, exists and well, you've you've talked about you know payroll sitting between finance and HR and in some organisations being a an entity you know or a global entity run on a global basis and in others being a subset of those other two organisations. It sounds like so you came into the accountancy business, which is very much the financial professional, and you've sort of gone through payroll and into the HR side of things. Um, sounds like a, a fascinating journey. Um, how do those two functions look at payroll differently, or, or indeed do they uh, look at payroll differently between HR and finance? Yeah, I think we the payroll function sits within the, the HR the HR function itself, um, and we provide services to the finance team. So I think by nature we are hooked into the HR team much more than the finance team. But I think over time we will be building on that to you know, deliver better services to the organisation as a whole. Um, so as we gain some efficiencies in our new model, that's one of the things that we will be looking to to improve on. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're massively connected into the HR team. The, the restructuring that we're doing as part of the service delivery model, we will move current HR employees into 
like a shared service team called the Global Workforce Operations Team. And that Global Workforce Operations Team will be made up of both HR and payroll people. So we'll become even more closely connected in that sense. Um, the other thing that we'll be doing is trying to make the payroll team much more of a specialist payroll function to try and take away some of the additional tasks that might have been bundled into a payroll role previously. So, um, for example, in the UK, the payroll team would be responsible for benefits renewals and things like that. We're going to try and make people more specialist in that role and maybe learn another payroll in another country, for example, rather than taking on additional transactional work. And the HR advisors within the GWO structure will take on that transactional work on their behalf instead. And what are the principal benefits that you think will accrue to the business from that specialisation? I think it will allow payroll to be payroll again and and also kind of provide backups for countries where we've got single points of failure and it'll allow them to kind of grow into more of an international role rather than just sitting in one country and doing the transactional piece and controls within that country itself. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the, the best way to describe it. Mm. Also sounds like a more robust career plan for, for somebody who's truly focused on payroll. There's there's perhaps more room to grow in that specialist payroll role that you're creating? Yes, definitely. And I, I think that's one of the things that we really like that I've really liked at Avery Denison as well is there's always room to grow. There's always room for improvement. There's always little projects that you can take on. Um, and they really do nurture that. And if you're talented in that particular area, they will really press you forward and, and make sure that you grow in that role even more. I, I like the fact that they're doing this on a global scale though as well, so that we aren't kind of going off in different directions within our own regions. And um, so this is like a global wide uh, agenda and it sounds like you're just coming to the end of that process i think you said it goes live on july the 13th so something you've been working on for a, a couple of years any experiences or learnings that you can share about that change process over the last couple of years yeah i think we've been trying to do something um, for for quite a long time and you know we, we've always known that we needed to consolidate payrolls and we've we need to harmonise processes and we need to bring every country into the model because sometimes you know, some countries haven't necessarily been part of that model. Um, but how to do it on such a, a huge scale has always been a bit of a problem. So we've worked with um, a company called LeapGen that have really helped us to try and achieve the how. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've kind of got together and we've designed the model with lots of different options and they've actually put in a pathway in place to help us migrate into this new model. So that's that's definitely been a huge um, a huge help in, in this uh, project for us. And it's it's interesting that design element um, that sits behind a successful project or indeed behind a, a successful payroll is often often overlooked. We have a number of conversations with folks who their business has grown ad hoc, so their payroll has grown ad hoc, and they have different models in every every country. Um, how long, if, if you look at the length of that project, what sort of percentage of time was spent on the, the design and working through the how versus actually then doing it? Yeah, well, if being honest, we haven't actually done it yet, so it's probably been, a, it's probably been at least a year. One, you know, So we, we spent six months together, and we, did, we met in the US together, 
and we picked through, went through a workshop and decided on what the design would look for us um, as a whole. I think the problem for us is we've got quite a lot of small scale countries. Um, so it's, it's difficult for us to consolidate payrolls into a transactional team. Um, so the, the overarching design itself, I would say, took about six months and then it's taken us at least another six months to actually do the finalised design and approach people and say, would you like to move into this role and, and liaise with the people who are currently managing that team? So it's been a very tricky kind of um, a project. We've only just, I think we're just at the point of finalising that this week for, for EMEA. But it's a but not a tricky project, but not new to you from the sounds of it having gone through. I think you said you when you were at the bank, you went through a, a large scale transformation project around um, integrating different technologies. So what, in your view, is, is key for a, a payroll professional involved in something like that? What are the key skills or, or key uh, characteristics to bring to that kind of transformation role? So when when I was asked to take on that role at, um, in the bank, I had absolutely no experience whatsoever with project management. And it was a big shock to the system, but it was a huge learning curve for me. I think if you're in payroll, and, and all you've known as payroll is you have the start, the middle, and the end of the payroll process. And I think the reason that they asked me to project manage that was because I asked a lot of questions in the tender meetings and I, I you know, expressed real excitement about the um, the potential systems that were going to be implemented. So they just said, oh, that's why not? Um, but it took a long time for me to change my mindset in the way that I had to be proactive and plan and you know all that stuff. The work wasn't coming to me anymore. I had to go out there, build build networks, build relationships, talk to people, ask them what they wanted, make decisions. And it was that was tough, you know, in in, in its first um, few months. But I came out of it the other end. The growth within that period of time was so big. I, I just don't know what I would have done if I hadn't been asked to do that. Um, so I would always say to people, if if you want to grow in your role in payroll, is reach out of your comfort zone, take on many projects, because if you just process month to month, payroll to payroll, you're not really going to learn how to, to do any of this kind of project work. And how did you... How did you position yourself for that opportunity to arrive? Um, you know, we've had a couple of these conversations, and um, it's been really interesting. Some of the folks who've talked about large-scale transformation projects—they weren't—they weren't volunteering themselves, but they happened to be in the right place and be well respected, and, and as you said, have asked smart questions um, of, a, of a process. So, was that part of a, a deliberate strategy in terms of how you thought about your career, or is it just unbridled curiosity and, and intrigue over how things work that that you just keep digging and, and and it leads you to interesting places yeah I mean I definitely did not seek out that opportunity <laughs> it was um I think I was just invited along to the tender meetings at the time and was just genuinely interested in uh, systems implementation and I think that's just a natural curiosity um I would never uh, you know don't necessarily have a career plan or anything like that and I think the same probably happened in Avery Denison um, you know, you, you come into an organisation and because you've got experience of other organisations, you often see opportunities straight away, whereas somebody who's been there for a while might not necessarily have that um, 
insight from other organizations. So it's just build, make it efficient, make it, you know, you, you can always improve on something and be respectful for the things that are put in place previously to that as well. So I think if you've got a natural curiosity for those types of things, people will often ask for your, your help in, in this kind of project work as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I could never really sort it out. It's just people have always asked to include me in this type of project. So mm. I've been very lucky. I think it's incredibly powerful to be respectful of what's already there. You know, things can need to change and evolve without, you know, what was created before being entirely wrong. Um, sometimes the market changes, sometimes the business changes. Um, but I think that's that's great advice to be respectful of what went before, but also bring insight from, from your previous life and other organizations. Exactly. And I think, you know, if you haven't had an opportunity to get any experience externally, it's really important to keep um, networking and get some external focus from other organizations as well. Like GPA, for example, go along to an event, meet people, hear what other people are doing. That's another way of getting some external focus other than working for another organization entirely. So I, I just think it's really important that people keep up to date and keep networking that, like that. So um, change gears a little bit. And um, looking back over your, your experience and the roles that you've done, um, we quite often are sort of about defining experiences and I, I think you've highlighted a couple with 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 projects but um what what achievement have you been most proud of to date in your working life yeah i mean obviously the the goal i for that systems implementation was was a massive um weight off my shoulders and it was a huge success so it was really good i hope to be able to tell you that the <laughs> success of the future model that we're going live with on the 30th of july is another huge achievement too um but i think it's there's no no one great thing i think it's more an achievement being able to reach out to other teams to other colleagues and getting people to work together um you know, I started off in the UK, Avery Denison had another colleague who started around the same time as me, who was um, hired as the German payroll manager. And to get, because we were both new at the same time, I think we were questioning the same things. You know, why is my process different to yours and you're use, using the same system? And we're always having to explain why to like an auditor, for example. So between us and other payroll managers in the region, we kind of agreed that we'd just do a mini project and try and harmonize those processes um and I think that was probably one of the things I was most happy about in, in my career so far because we all just worked together whereas I think we've all the company's always been used to people working in isolation like that um but we learned so much from each other during that period of time it was unreal you know we, you kind of self-taught with a system and then you find things out from someone else and we're implementing these improvements and just it it was it was really powerful stuff and it was just such a simple thing to do so I would say collaborating outside of your normal comfort zone and it achieving like harmonized processes and things like that was uh was definitely one of the the top things up there and my achievements I would say in our achievements <laughs> I think when I've met your te- you and your colleagues, you can feel that bond between between you that you know you have that um, it's almost like a, a friendship as well as work colleagues. Yeah, very much so. So you might be talking about when we came to do the the um, strategic course. Yeah, 
London.time yeah we've got a really good um network and I, I'm, if I'm being I don't know what it was like before um but we all work really well together and the network is unbelievable you know we'll be able to support each other no matter what and that's what I really enjoy about working there everybody's got each other's backs we're willing to share share ideas thoughts and listen to each other um and it's just it's just really powerful stuff and that kind of culture there's that you know that gets created in inside an organization and you've worked for a couple of different businesses and interested to understand you know the the uh the leaders that you've worked with you know who who was the best leader that you've worked with along the way and and what made them the the best leader yeah so get if you done it the leadership style is is fantastic because everybody's so reachable um but i think where i see a huge difference in evidence at the moment it's um people really seek out talent and they'll be a cheerleader if they really believe that you can do something and they'll really push it out of your comfort zone as well. And I think in a previous organisation, and this might be because I was a bit more inexperienced, I didn't really know how to network outside my own function. Um, and I think that really kind of hinders your growth and you know your peripheral vision um, outside the scope of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so having a, a cheerleader or a mentor or, or someone to support you in that and really push you to do it um, is really important. And I, I find that at Avery Denison um, very much so. And every person that I've reported to has been exactly the same in, mm. in the company that I work for now. Is there a formal mentoring program or it's just a natural style of, of the leaders that you, you, you can reach out to them and continue to engage with them on an ongoing basis? It's not a formal thing. It's just something that is encouraged. I think they do quite a lot of leadership programs that encourage it too, but there is no formal mentoring uh, process as far as I'm aware. Um, I just see it in every, you know, everyday interactions with people. And um, whenever anybody does something good or has achieved something fantastic, you always hear about it. And I think that's important as well. So, um, yeah, they're always celebrating people's successes. And if they see you know, potential to to stretch somebody to to push them out of the comfort zone. They will do that, and uh, it's just amazing to see, you know, how people react when they do something above and beyond, and they didn't think they'd be able to do that. And I see that almost on a daily basis, Avery. Mm. Sounds like a great place. Yeah. Um, you use the phrase peripheral vision, uh, which I think is interesting because I've said on a few occasions that it feels like payroll is sometimes a blind spot. For the organisation, um, and 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 you're proactively networking outside of your group and building relationships and championing the the cause of of HR and and, and payroll, um, in really practical terms for a, a payroll professional listening to this, what would be your kind of top tips for for helping um, them build out their peripheral vision, what they see in the rest of the organisation, and and helping the rest of the organisation see what payroll is doing and how it can deliver more value. I, I don't want to underestimate the task of just delivering payroll, but there's so much more happening in a, a modern organization with the data and the systems around that core process that the teams are running. So how do you how do you help solve that blind spot and at the same time build out your team's peripheral vision in really practical terms? Yeah, I think it's just important that um, payroll is really kind of engaged with 
their stakeholders and, and colleagues in other functions as well. So, you know, if you have, let's say you're a payroller and a process is broken and you're not getting what you need, I think it's really important that you collaborate well with that individual where you need to get that information because they might not see it as their responsibility and even though you see it as their responsibility. So it's it's important that you build that relationship by working together on it instead of almost demanding that they fix that process. And I think it's a really good way to problem solve together and build a rapport. So I think that's one way to do it. Because, I mean, let's face it, there are always processes that are broken or something that you want to improve. Speak to each other. Uh, you know, work together. Find it instead of, you know, trying to figure out who is responsible to fix it for you. It's just a great way to grow, to find solutions to problems. Um, I think the other thing the payroll could probably do more of is the analytical side. So that's one of the things that we are going to um, try and do when we re-scope the, the payroll role is to bring in more of the data analytics and data ownership so that they can provide some like, insightful data on a regular basis outside of uh, outside of the HR function too. Hmm. So more, more sharing insight with the business from the, the payroll data and the HR data inside your systems and, and organization. Yeah, exactly. And and um, so in that sense, what 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 do you think limits other organizations from from doing that? Um, I mean, clearly you've you've had a an extensive program over the last eighteen months, two years of evaluating and changing that. But from from what you've seen elsewhere, what gets in the way of being more analytical and using the data? I think it's probably if the data doesn't exist, you know, um, where we work, we we do use a few common platforms, um, but the, we haven't really set up the report and to speak to each other. So there's, probably, there's a lot of work that needs to go in to kind of harmonise those reports from all of the payroll systems and HR systems to be able to push that data out in insightful reporting. Um, that is a piece of the project. So we do have some reporting software that we are building on to produce a um, insightful suite of reports and things like that but um yeah i think data is key one of the other things that we are doing is we're implementing a case management tool which will obviously collect an awful lot of data for us so at the moment we have no idea how many payroll queries we get we've got no idea how many hr queries we get and um that is something that's also going live on the 11th of July. So we should get an awful lot of information from that system as time progresses too. So yeah, so so effective reporting, but you need the systems and the data to be able to report on that too. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that um, pay, some payroll professionals underestimate how much uh, value they have with the data that they could collect or they do collect? Yeah, I think so. I think... We need to give them the tools to be able to do that as well, though. Um, you know, if they're just running payrolls on a monthly basis and then doing the other transactional stuff that we've got to do, they're probably not going to offer anything else up. Whereas if we build on those skills, give them the tools, um, it, it could be something they could really grow into. You know, we, we all like our numbers. Um, majority of us like to get into the detail and the technicalities. So I, I think it's definitely something that we can work on. Um in a more focused way and and do you think that would help the 
you know everyone's talking about the payroll profession and you know increasing its profile do you think that would help increase the payroll department's profile within organizations if they can actually uh, deliver more information on on uh, the figures and what's actually going on within an organization absolutely i think when i look at the cross-section of the way that the payroll function serves the finance teams in in Abridge and it's different on a country by country basis so my French team we provide an awful lot of data on a regular basis to finance to, to model things based on time and attendance changes and things like that whereas there is absolutely no requests that come into our payroll team I think that the majority the reason for that is it's a bit more simplistic. We don't have complex time and attendance systems as well, but we really want to drive business value in the same way for every country in finance teams. The handoff should be the same, and then they will be able to see what additional business value we can bring as a payroll function, and we can learn from each other, just like we were saying before. You know, The UK team will be able to learn how they've built the insightful data in France, for example, and share those, those uh, success stories and, and build the profile that way, yeah. So we're having this conversation at the end of May. Um, we're eight weeks, I think it is now, Mel, isn't it, into lockdown in the UK? Yes, um, it is. <laughs> so you've done a couple of payroll uh, runs under this this new environment, and we're increasingly you know, seeing large numbers of regulatory changes in some of the geographies that you've you've talked about. And you're partway through a change program. So what's been the experience of the last eight to ten weeks for, for you and your team? it's um it's been interesting <laughs> you know hardly we noticed that we're in lockdown because we're just working so hard as are most payroll teams I am sure um but I think what what we've been trying to do is communicate on a daily basis we have a, a coffee morning of our own and talk about the weather and you know oh by the way I would have asked you this if we were in the office you know so we we have that chat at 8 30 every morning um but as you know, the workload has increased so much because of the legislation that's been thrown our way. It's got to be implemented. Employees have got to be communicated to. They want Q&As on pensions and, and all of that stuff. So that's been tricky in itself. It's just a good job we've got such a robust um, payroll function right now. But the catalyst for the change programme has increased also because we realised that the implementation of the model and the the system, you know, the, the case management tool and the, the knowledge base that we're implementing um, would really have helped us in this situation and will continue to do so. It'll help us communicate directly to employees. They'll be able to self-serve and we're definitely not on site to support them with, with queries anymore. So it's been a real challenge, but it's been a real catalyst as well to, to get this over the line sooner rather than later as well. So, yeah, it's been difficult, I think, because everybody's just so focused and so resilient. We've been very lucky and people have achieved an awful lot. So I'm very grateful to everybody who who I work with for maintaining that level of output of work. It's just it's just amazing. I'm just so proud of them. And I I do think there's something in the the DNA of the, the payroll professional about that pride in getting the job done and and the fact that payroll needs to be run every month um and and mel we've been hearing stories on this podcast and through some of the things that you've arranged around uniting payroll and other initiatives just about how the overall industry has responded um 
you know, and 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 just people working incredibly hard against incredible odds, but delivering uh, again and again. Mm. And I th- and I think I don't hear of any failures as such, or not that there is a failure in this situation. But I think people have worked incredibly long hours to still achieve, um, you know, paying the the payroll on time and correctly. So, uh, you know, I think we need to sort of shout a bit more from the houses, don't we, about what people have achieved over the last couple of months. And we are we are hearing stories, I think, at times where. The payroll function has gone so far uh, above and beyond that it is visible inside the organization in a way that it hasn't been perhaps before. To, to, to your point there, Alex, about the interaction with your, your peers and um, you know, suddenly it's a process everybody's very interested in seeing run successfully. Um, and I think there's a, an opportunity or a time now where, where payroll is more visible inside the organization. Um, not because things went wrong, actually, for, for the exact opposite, that in, in the vast majority of organizations, things have um, continued to run, but senior management attention has perhaps been focused on the detail inside the organization in a way that it hasn't before. I, I don't know if that speaks to your experience, uh, Alex, in terms of, of the way your team is working or um, you know, whether, whether Mel, there's, there's other examples you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, it has been recognised by the corporate leadership team. We've had some fantastic messages come down the line and, you know, full appreciation from from those guys for all of the work that um, that the payroll teams are doing. So that was really nice to be recognised like that. I think the other thing that um, really kind of brought the attention, and again, I'm sure it's the same for every organisation, was the business continuity planning around that. So it, it really paints a picture of where we've got single points of failure or where we've got countries that, you know, we've had to shut a site down, for example, and all of the hard work that goes into making sure that people are still operating, that really does focus the attention of how hard people are working in the face of this adversity. Um, so... Yeah, it definitely does bring it to people's attention. I think the other thing is we've been so lucky that we've got such a strong IT function. <laughs> you know, the hardware that's been flying out and the uh, IT support has been phenomenal. So, um, yeah, it's all been recognised at the highest level, which is very nice as well. And I think we just need to continue to celebrate those successes. We've got a nice Google community online where people post things and um, we're going to do that for, for the payroll function too. So it's, it's been really nice that that's so good to hear we you know we are hearing stories of um people uh having um exposure to uh sort of senior um members within companies that they wouldn't have normally and um data that have been asked for so so although it's been challenging the feedback we've we've received from people is actually it's also been really interesting time uh for them you know even even with some of our members you know that they, they don't have job security but what they're what they're seeing is that at, during this period of time it's a, a, where they can learn uh where they're meeting new people um within organizations so trying to turn it into you know really a positive situation and and also yeah they're, they're receiving fantastic feedback and i i do think well you made you made a point earlier on when we were talking about the the sunny weather outside today and, and taking some time i think teams can sustain that for a period of time um but i think you know we're, we're eight weeks in um i'm starting to see a lot more conversations about people paying attention to their own mental health and welfare taking time for themselves time to be with their family because they're all in the same property together um even if you can't 
get away it's 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 important i guess to step away from from the pressure because it has been an incredibly intense period of time and continues to be for a great many organizations so um i, I i'm interested in, in in alex any 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 sort of commentary on what, what you do to unwind um you know when you do get the chance to step away from your desk close the door on that transformation project and on business as usual um in this situation how are you uh sort of take, taking your mind off work Honestly, it's probably just getting out for that daily exercise. <laughs> um, you know, I like running. Um, probably the same as the majority of people in the UK right now. Bought a bike. <laughs> it's um, it's been nice actually. I've, I've enjoyed the slowdown of rushing to be at different places in the car, which has given me <laughs> most more time to read a book or, like I say, go for a run or ride a bike. So I hope that that kind of continues when we get back into the new normal. I'm thinking I'll still be able to build that in to my daily routine um, because, you know, I actually don't think we'll be returning to the office anytime soon either. You know, we're not rushing back. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a positive. I think things have slowed down and we're being able to fit a bit more into the relaxation side of things as well. Obviously, you you have a uh, global or, or a multi-country reach in terms of the UK, Scandinavia, Israel, um, and obviously currently looking after uh, France at the moment. Do you see differences in the way um, uh, payroll has has adapted or been affected by regulation in those countries? Or do you see the same sort of decisions being made by governments in those countries and the same sort of payroll impacts across each of those markets? Um, I think there are similarities, but obviously they're, they're different as well. So one of the things that we haven't done in the UK is um, the variable hours, you know, and, and in some countries they are tasked with um, making people work part-time hours instead of full-time and all of that kind of thing. But I think in principle it's it's pretty similar. Uh, I think what's been good is the, the payroll providers have <laughs> reacted as fast as they possibly can as well to help us implement any of these things. So we're lucky that we've got a strong provider in, in the sense that they can assist us with whatever calculations we decide. Because as well, you know, the company might not necessarily follow the government rules to the letter. They might decide to pay an enhanced version or or whatever. And, and that brings up challenges for the payable providers too. So Similarities in some countries, but obviously they're not going to be identical. So it's been on a country by country basis. So just just looking back on your career, um, is there anything that you you sound like a, a really positive person? So I don't know if you would actually have anything that you would change. But is there anything that you would change looking back? I think I probably would have asked more questions in my role at the bank. I think you know that was probably the time that I grew more but it was probably in the last couple of years I really grew and that was when um when the financial crisis hit and then there was an awful lot of change that went on within you know within the restructures and things like that so I learned an awful lot then um so I probably would have probably gone out and got a little bit more experience at a faster rate but having said that if I'd done that sooner I might not have been lucky enough to have the experiences that I have today and I've enjoyed my entire career in every role that I've been in and for all that I only did this systems implementation one for 11 months I still thoroughly enjoyed it and I loved the people that I met it was purely the logistics of it that was that was the only thing um and the other thing that I missed with the implementation piece was having a physical team you know if you go and implement and you're sitting with 
a customer and that was that was also something that was uh, unique to me but it was it was good learning so I wouldn't necessarily change anything but what I would say is I probably should have asked for help if I was stuck and sort of trying to solve all the problems myself and asked more questions and and got a little bit more insight into the external functions rather than um, just within the HR function. But that was quite difficult to do in the organisation it was at the time. And that's completely different at Avery Denison, you know. So if you have an opportunity to branch out, meet people, connect and, and network, I would that that's probably the biggest positive about my new role that I would say um, I wish I'd done more of in previous roles. And is that something that you would advise people um, sort of working their way up in the payroll industry sort of network? Definitely I think you know if you've got good relationships with people and you build that network if you ever need anything when you're trying to get something over the line and a big decision or a big project it's good to have those alliances as well and if if you haven't got that network of, of people, it's quite difficult to get approval for some things as well. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say build that network, get out there, introduce yourself, get people to be your cheerleader, um, ask for mentoring and things like that, yeah. So, um, Alex, obviously I'm, I'm a woman and I've, I've worked um, within industry and I, I've come across my challenges and I, I still do. Um, and I, I just wondered, as a, as a woman working within uh, payroll, have you come across any challenges at all? I don't think so. Not, not that any, nothing sticks out. Um, I think when I've worked in organisations before, it's been pretty heavily female dominated anyway um so the bank you know was 75% female employees okay in senior positions at the time there were more males than there were females but we're talking mid-90s and um in the latter part of the uh, the beginning of the 2000s but um not necessarily no I think we've got some good programs at the company that I work for now as well called Women Empowered and that and I think that's because we're working in a manufacturing organization as well so in my industry it's it's heavily female dominated I would say um but in the manufacturing environment it's probably less so but those programs are fantastic you know women empowered so they you know teach you to be more assertive they teach you about um personal brand and um it's it's just an excellent program to work on so but no I've not really experienced anything untoward because I think that that's actually when you mentioned personal brand um we we talk a lot about uh, increasing the profile of payroll and I think that that's one of the key answers to it actually to increase the the profile is personal brand and actually sort of uh, advertising or marketing the payroll department within an organization which is what you were saying with regards to networking as well so that all comes together doesn't it it does I think I think one of the things that sticks in my head about the personal brand is they defined personal brand as what people would say about you when you weren't in the room (laughs) and um I quite like that actually um but I think from a personal brand perspective, one of the things I would say if you, you're looking to progress far in payroll is um, really kind of branch out the side of payroll. Because when I first started in the company that I work for now, I remember asking the senior leadership team, what do you want me to do more of? You know, what, what would you like me to do in the payroll services? And I said, yeah, just pay me. Just pay me on time. And that is literally all they think that you do. <laughs> so, um 
I think it's, it's really branch out and show people that you can solve problems, you can improve processes, you can improve, improve their experience of how they interact with a payroll function or HR or finance. And um, yeah, just be unique, just, you know, have a little bit more edge other than just paying people on a, on a monthly basis, because we know we do an awful lot more than just do that. I love that. I love that definition of, of personal brand. I love that personal advocacy for your department in terms of you know you're the the face of the department you're asking the questions you're you're challenging people's assumptions that actually it's not just about paying them it there's so much more to it than than that um we're coming close to to end of time um and it's been a fascinating conversation i'm going to show my age here but i i remember the early 90s i I remember the introduction email i will forever miss internal post with envelopes that travel around the world with people's handwriting on them. Um, I mean, you've seen a phenomenal amount of change and, and two large-scale transformations as you've you've moved through the organization. Um, if you were to, to sum it all up in, in sort of one description to somebody coming into the industry now, why, why should they come into payroll and you know, what should they expect from, from payroll? I would say it's 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 a profession that you can grow in if you really want to. Um, you can just do the box standard payroll, or I say box standard payroll stuff, but back in the 90s it was, you know, pay tax, national insurance. Now it's holiday pay, pension or enrollment. You know, you can really grow in that role. You can be the cornerstone employee that runs the payroll end to end, or you can branch out into the, the, the HR and the employment law pieces that bleed into that payroll function too. So you don't just have to stop there. And you could just stop there if you want to do. You could process that payroll on a monthly basis, but you could still sell the success of doing that on a monthly basis. There is nothing wrong with that. And it's it's a fairly complicated role to do as well. So I would just say there are many directions you can go in payroll. It's not just processing a payroll on a weekly or a monthly basis. Thank you, um, Alex. That's been really, I'm so glad we got we got here and uh, it's been really interesting and I've learned more about you. So next time I see you, I feel like I'm going to, you know, know you inside out now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much to both of you. Really enjoyed the conversation and good luck on July the 13th. Oh, yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks very much. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.